Shalom, and welcome to A Voice Calling in the Wilderness. A trumpet call, a voice crying out loud for God to those that would hear, so that they would run to him, that they might be warned. We are here sounding the alarm that our time here on earth is short, and that we have no time to waste. Here we will expose the truth, teach the word, discuss the dangers, lies, and enemies that we are surrounded by, and how to engage in the war that we're standing in the middle of. Today, that we are talking with Brian, Aiden, Frank, and Grant about current events and what the Bible is talking to us about with them. We're going to talk about division. We're going to talk about unity. And we're going to talk about how the evil one desires to destroy us. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How's it going? Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, there's no question in anybody's mind that we see a world that is very divided today, I'm sure. So the question that gets posed many times, does this world really try to divide us? Or is this just a condition of man? What's our nature? Unity or division? Look at infants from very different backgrounds, very different financial classes, different races, genders. How would they interact? Do they segregate themselves? Do they push away from each other? Or do they draw near to each other and cling to each other for comfort? If anyone has ever had the opportunity to witness those little ones in their own element without anybody interfering, we know that they draw near to each other. They cling to each other. They hold each other. They sleep together. So why is it, as adults, we seem so divided? Maybe it's because we have been in this world for so much longer and the spirit of division has stained us. So how does the world try to divide us? Censorship? And freedom of speech issues? Climate change? Abortion? Religious freedoms? Minimum wage arguments? Reparations? Arguments over our electoral college? Vaccines? Mail-in voting? Gun control? Police brutality? Arguments against foreign aid? Antifa? Black Lives Matter? border security, coronavirus, immigration, climate change, radical profiling, zero-tolerance policies, transgenderism, parental rights, masks, no masks. This is a short list, <laughs> but we can agree that every single one of those creates division in our world. Am I right? Yes. So why, Absolutely. Is, it, why is it that we can't find unity in these ideas? Why is it so divisive? There's probably a spirit that's um, among, upon the world today that actually is causing us to not connect, not come together, to not want to listen to each other. Um, we may have been is divided on opinions and ideas, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but at least we could have a conversation about something and still mutually have respect for each other when talking to each other mm -hmm. without having to make it uh, I'm right, you're wrong, and you're wrong, you need to die type um, attitude, right? Uh, that's what we're seeing today. So yeah. you're talking about civility being slaughtered at the price of selfishness. It would seem mm -hmm. so. And most selfishness today is uninformed. So people are, you know, they're just going with what the status quo is, what makes them feel good or what makes them feel accepted um, by the greater society. 
and just going with it and not even thinking about what it is that they're they're siding on. Yeah. I think I think it comes down to comfortability too with how people grow up in a certain way and and changing is uncomfortable so they stay with what they they think they know without, you know, doing the research or or having a civil conversation about it because they think they're right because that's the way they grew up and that's the perspective they have. And my whole thing is when I talk to people is I'm trying to get their perspective. I'm trying to see how they're seeing things. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't do anymore. And it's sad because it's it's like just because you don't do something the way that I would do it, I have to hate you or I have to not like you, you know? But it's like, no, like there's a reason that person's doing something a different way, you know? So I think it comes from, a lot of it comes from background and and where people come from and not wanting to change or, or do the research or, or, or have a civil conversation because they're comfortable where they're at. I would agree with that. And I think we've lost some of our civility because mm-hmm. we all want to be included in the group. Nobody wants oh, yeah, to feel... That goes, that goes back years ago, though. You think about it. I mean, you know, we started out 12 tribes, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was that tribalism then. There's the tribalism now. And, and we still bring that out in each other that, you know, you need to belong to a set group. And in order to belong, unfortunately, the message is also you have to despise the other groups. And that's not the message we should be putting forth. And I think that's easy for us to see because if you start to ask people to defend their position on many things, the first thing they do is get angry. Mm-hmm. And most of that is because they do not have an understanding of why they believe what they believe. Exactly. They've just gone along with a group thought to and be included and to be part of that group. So they have no knowledge to defend their position mm-hmm. with. Group thinking herd mentality is what's driving most yeah. of society right now. And and they act off of feeling and emotion instead of, you know, truth. <laughs> right. And so when we start to see people do this, th- th- that means that in these discussions with them, let's take the mask and no mask situation because it's really current event for us and going to be around with us for a while that it looks like. Right? <laughs> um, but how many people truly believe that it's a good idea to wear the mask? If you were to talk to them, they'll do it mm-hmm. and they'll defend it and they'll argue that everybody should do it. But if you ask them to explain why, mm-hmm. they have no basis of fact for doing so. So I come from a generation that would never consider doing something like that. You know, the Gen Xers were a little bit of rebels, right? Mm-hmm. We had, you prove it to us, right? Prove, prove we need to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Give yeah, us the well, evidence. Well, now look at how many Gen Xers are just saying yes. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, most of them that I'm running into are <laughs> saying this is stupid. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, mo- most people that I talk to are that way, but, you know, it is what we're told propag- from propaganda as a whole is that most people are are in agreement with this, right? Right. Yeah, that's what you see on social media. I mean, Every, that, that may not be the truth, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a big I, difference between both that I've seen. I've seen people who are, are against it, and those people usually have research, and they've looked at both sides, mm-hmm. and they've, they know what they're talking about. 
And then the other side is just all off of emotion. Mm-hmm. It's all they, you could see them get worked up when they talk about it. You're going to kill people. You're going to, you know, we need to stop this, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's all like fed it's off of emotion. Righteous indignation. Yeah. And fear has become a religion for many people right now. Mm-hmm. So how dare you question my fear? I've been told that I must be afraid. In order for me to be part of the group that mm-hmm. is going to accept me, I have to be afraid. Yeah. Whether they're really afraid or not, honestly. Right. Um, you can see where some people do things for show for others to see. Mm-hmm. But if you catch them off guard or behind the scenes when the cameras aren't looking, you see they're not doing what they are promoting. No. Grant, I would ask this, um, when you talk to people about this and the information they're getting is, you know, this experts say, do you think that there's being, they're being lied to? Uh, it, it's hard to, it's hard to tell. I mean, I don't, I, I never want to just blank it out and say that, yes, you're being lied to, you know, the the people who we're supposed to trust are just straight out lying to you. I always tend to err on the benefit of the doubt. And I tend to say that, hey, maybe they truly believe it, but they're not opening their minds to, you know, more mm. traditional fact, you know, searching and more traditional science. Um, you know, I do personally think that we're being lied to, but I don't, so Put answer, that out there in conversations right. is like the first thing we talk about. Yeah, <laughs> but that that answers my next question: Is do you think it's a possibility that there? Are, and I'm not just talking about this one topic. In all of these divisive topics, do you think there are people that take advantage of the situation and put out false information in order to guide things to go the direction that they want? I think oh, that's yeah. been happening yeah. for a very, very mm-hmm. long time. Uh, you know. A, so right, right at the beginning of the band t- pandemic, right, uh, Hillary Clinton was saying something about, you know, we can't let this go to waste. Well, Democrats have been saying that for a long time. Whenever there's a crisis, don't let it go to waste. Mm-hmm. You know, always use whatever opportunities you can out of it to further your agenda. Um, and that's just been political practice for a long time. So that, that's, that's nothing new. Yeah. I think when you get out of the the, the limelight, um, I think what you've got at lower levels is just another form of fear. Yes, uh, yes. People people are f- afraid of making the wrong decision, and afraid that they will be held accountable to it. So, we will go for a simple and safe solution, rather than something that may be more difficult and and has a higher chance of being incorrect because. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my respectability in front of other people. So I will just push forth this idea. And the problem is, is then pride comes in. Mm-hmm. And if evidence shows that they're, they were wrong previously, their pride won't let them admit that and they double down on it. Well, no, that can't be the case. I couldn't have been wrong. Right. And I think that's all part and parcel with that that mindset. And I think it all is driven underlying fear coming across so that that you make a good point and and my question would be do you think that it makes a big difference of the authority or power either real or perceived 
by the people that are promoting the, the idea or promoting the divisive um, context. Say that again. Well, I think I think they liked being in that position at first. Um, they liked the title. Um, they liked the respect that they were given. But when it came down to you have to make these decisions and they're not going to be easy decisions, well, then everybody got defensive. So here, here's a... Here's a good um, example of what I was talking about. Our our former president, President Trump, his take on the the pandemic and the virus was much different than our current president. There was a large amount of Americans that agreed with President Trump. Let's say 80 million. And on the other hand, you have almost as many or so that of, that agree with President Biden. Both are different arguments, but people agree on two sides of this coin at different times, but the position of the president is a, you know, idea that this is the winning team, right? Mm-hmm. And even back when President Trump was in office... There was a large movement against him because they never, th- the the other side never thought that he was going to maintain power. So they were always trying to battle for the the winning team, if you will. Do you think that position of power influences more of people to follow them than really believe what they're saying? And do you think that the idea that they're probably going to be the winning team has that same influence? I mean, I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, there was a uh, time in our country where when the president spoke, you listened, and if he asked you to do something, you did it because you trusted that the president had the best interest of the American people at heart. Um, I think probably half the country, um, you know, does not believe that anymore. Uh, so when you when it comes to politicians making choosing sides and and you know positioning for power and whatnot yeah they're playing the game you were just talking about i believe um you know i think there's very few of them that actually uh you know try to try to do what the american people are actually asking them to do um when it comes to us personally believing i'm not so sure that we look at the president and say, oh, well, the president is saying it, so we must we have to believe him. I'm not sure that that's the case anymore because even when Trump was in, I didn't always um, side on and agree with what he was um, mm-hmm. proposing, uh, you know, at each time. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and I'm, my, I guess what my point was is it seems that people want to side themselves with the people they perceive as the correct authority to make decisions and to make claims of whether something's good or bad, right or wrong, or even if it's scary. And I think that we see, we had a really good example of that in the recent past because we had a movement called the Me Too movement. And we had some low-level politicians that kind of got on board with it and kind of supported it. And it seemed like it was going to boil up and become this really big thing in our society. But it never really caught on with the elites or the high-powered people in our nation. And quite honestly, I, it feels like the Me Too movement sort of died. Uh, or it changed form. Or changed form. Okay. It, it, the cancel culture that we see is basically what the Me Too movement was bringing about. 
Or, um, well, or just, was that it, it, just part of the cancel culture? It, yeah, it could have been. That that was, I think it was part of the cancel culture. It was another one of these divisive arguments, right? That all men are bad and they're all trying to oppress mm-hmm. women. And that. Now, we still have some of those things in circles, but it, this was a very big push for a while that I thought was just going to snowball out of control. And it sort of just fizzled out. But if you look at it, it sort of fizzled out in my mind because COVID come along and most of the people that are oppressing it were in Hollywood and basically they shut Hollywood down. Mm-hmm. So they no longer had a voice. Oh, they tried though. They did a little. <laughs> they did. <laughs> but, you know, that kind of lends to that idea that it wasn't a grassroots movement. It wasn't a lot of people's hearts really in it or it would have stayed alive, mm-hmm. right? So what we've talked about a little bit here is are people's hearts really in these arguments? Is, are their minds and their hearts in it because they believe it through and through or are they just arguing with the team they think is the team they want to be on? They're just going with the flow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if we want to go back to the masks, for example, I can I can quickly tell how I approached it. Um, I agree with Frank that fear, it, when when the pandemic descended on on the world or on our nation, um, you know, fear descended with it. Fear became what everybody bought into. Mm-hmm. And suddenly everybody was afraid. Personally, I was not. Um, I didn't I didn't think that we, there was reason to be afraid. You know, we believe in Christ and, you know, if, uh, if he did not give us a spirit of timidity, he did not give us a spirit of fear. Fear is not of God. Fear is of the devil. Mm-hmm. And so that was my approach. Um, in the beginning... I said, look, we don't really know what the numbers truly are Back way back in March, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we need to see what it's going to end up looking like. You know, I said it could go either way. If it's really as bad as they're saying, then we need to be cautious. You know, it, yeah. it, if it's truly a pandemic like the, like the Spanish flu was back in the, in the early 1900s, then we should be cautious. But I said, let's see the numbers. Well, you know, a month goes by where, you know, we have a lockdown and, and, and all that, and the numbers aren't really adding up. You mm-hmm. know, we're being told of one set of numbers, then the CDC publishes a different set of numbers, and, you know, it's going back and forth. And, and even still, those numbers were low. Right. And so my my whole approach on masks was, look, um, the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to submit to authority, you know, and if authority says to do something, then I'm going to obey authority under the context of, you know, what the Bible tells me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I would make that argument, but there came a point... <laughs> when it just became like so ridiculous mm-hmm. that I decided that I needed to stand against fear. Um, and so now I refuse to wear a mask no matter where I go. I will not go into an establishment if they're going to force me to wear a mask yeah. mm-hmm. because I do not want to perpetuate the spirit of fear mm-hmm. because that is antichrist. Um, now, and and this is based on looking at numbers that are so confusing because the CDC says one thing and somebody else says another. And I've had COVID and I know people who've died from complications from getting COVID. You know, it's just, it's, it wasn't a good thing, but for us to be afraid is to me, not a Christian point of view. Mm -hmm. Because if God wants to take me home, uh, by giving me COVID, then I don't have to be here anymore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and 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 I agree with you on pretty much everything you said there. Um, 
we're not supposed to have a spirit of fear. I don't have fear. If God wants me to go, a mask isn't going to keep me from going. Um, and the thing that we have to remember is there's so many people out there that don't have a relationship with God. And right, so right. Their hope, their whole life is here. Mm-hmm. Right. The hope is not kingdom minded. And that's why fear is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and I, that's why I was saying fear descended. Maybe, I believe it's descended on the world, but it seemed to really descend on our nation. And because of all the capitulation, if you would, of the masses being so controlled by fear, all this other stuff was able to be kind of ushered in, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so now what, what was just one element became riots, and then it became social justice and cultural, cultural Marxism became the topic. Mm-hmm. And, and then the election happened and the shift in power in our nation. And now they're pushing all this socialism um, and anti-American agendas. Mm-hmm. But people are still in that spirit of fear yeah, and still being fed by the same propaganda machine. Right. And so one of the things that helps that along is people have not been educated. Um, we have always had the flu. We've always had pneumonia in our nation. 65,000 people a year die from flu. How many oh. died last year? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the flu has vanished. Well, I actually, it's, there's I, not a way out there. But I actually saw a CNN interview where this doctor said, we have a flu tracking system that we can use for this now. And since we don't have the flu anymore, and I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? What? Yeah, because now it's all labeled COVID. Is that, there, this is is that a doc- magic, huh? A doctor just said, we don't have the flu anymore. I'm going, whoa. And, and the, if there's been a lot of those little slip-ups like you've, you've said yeah. before, too, right? They let the cat out of the bag accidentally, right? And pneumonia. Pneumonia kills thirty-five to 50,000 people a year in yeah. America. And that's just a... That's what is killing people for the most part. It's not the, the COVID virus or the flu virus or whatever it is. It's the what you get because of it. Pneumonia Ooh. is what mo- kills most people. They just labeled it the flu before the pandemic, and now they're labeling it COVID um, because it's easy to say COVID killed this person. Well, we were talking about uh, the other day about the procedures in the hospitals, like if you have COVID right. and the procedures that cause... Oh, the pneumonia yeah. and yeah, all they, that. So, so there's certain protocols the that they have in place. One of them is to give them a certain drug, and I can't remember what it is. But yeah. what that does is it actually shuts the kidneys down. Yeah, the kidneys Revetimer, shut down. Is it? Uh, yeah, I think that that might be the name. I can't. I I just I don't want to uh, assume. Yeah. Um, but so it's, it it's shuts a the kidneys drug. down, and when the kidneys shut down, they start releasing fluid into the body. And because it's not processing. And when it releases fluid into your lung cavity mm-hmm. area, you get pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And it's something, and then when you put somebody on a ventilator on top of that, no, I kill you. You basically, it's a death sentence. Yeah, because right. everyone who's been put on a ventilator is pretty much ate it. You know, they they've died. Most all the ones that I know, yeah, um, that have died were on the ventilator. Mm-hmm. No, but I wanted to point out though, people that don't understand that nearly a hundred thousand people die every year from pneumonia and the flu. Right, they don't understand that. This isn't that scary. I mean, mm-hmm. it, yes, it is scary. People die, and the flu is scary. If you have respiratory issues and you're 82 years old and you get pneumonia, your chances are not great. They never were. Right. Even 10 years ago, they weren't great. Guess what? So, it's not changed. So going so back, people now, aren't educated to know how to fight the fear. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that used to be a thing, but um, I want to go back to what you were saying about, um, oh, great, just drew a blank, right? <laughs> uh, uh, what you were saying about, um, you're going to have to come back to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Our producer got Mike Fright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but that's one of the things that this show is designed for is we want to try to help people get past some of these mm -hmm. things. The whole purpose of fear, right? The whole purpose of fear and, and division is to create separation between man and God again. It is. Because if you're afraid and you're doing these things and you're not looking to God, how are you? How is your relationship with him then? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. We're supposed that to becomes trust above him. God. Yeah, it does. That becomes above God. And fear, that, fear becomes your God. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And and I want to kind of look at this kind of like at a, a psychological standpoint. Uh, people... It's all about information, the information you get, mm -hmm. you know, and because most Christians are on the same page, you know, the ones that read the Bible is because, you know, we know the Bible and we know um, the fear that, that, that the people in the Bible could have went through. So my, I always go back to Paul and starting the early church and the prosecution or the persecution that that was happening there. And I try to relate that to what, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing now and it was like, how did they, how did they handle it? Like, that was a scary thing, like being killed for doing it, but they didn't just give up. They didn't run away in fear. They stuck with it and they kept doing what God was telling them to do. They weren't stupid about it, but they also didn't, you know, fall to that fear. And mm -hmm. I think that's what we're supposed to do today too. I, I remember what I was going to ask now. Okay. Is, uh, so going back to the, to, to the fear, um, you know, how, how much of, it is possible that people are sensing we're approaching the end. So is there, is there an element to the spirits that are, you know, in the world right now that is like God checking people, like warning, warning, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and people are, if people are so afraid to die when people weren't so afraid to die 30 years ago, if people are so afraid to die, is it because maybe something in them is is like alarm going off? Yep, almost like a subconscious kind of gut check thing. Yeah, <laughs> like a gut check. I mean, last time we <laughs> talked about, question. you know, is are we looking at the end right now? You yeah, know, or the beginning of the end? You know, uh, is that possible? Oh, sure. It's an interesting thought because uh, if you go back into the '60s with the free love movement and all the drug experimentation. All, there wasn't a lot of fear with what they were doing. They got a lot of diseases back then. Right. Mm -hmm. They killed people. I mean, they, they were, think about it. They took a lot of chances, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of risk. And you didn't hear about a whole bunch of people being afraid all the time. So there's definitely been a shift in that idea. Frank, you live in a state that has been very restrictive during this time. Um, do you see people that are... A, a majority of the people, are they just terrified in, in staying in their homes and being afraid? Or do you see people that are like us that are looking at this thing going, why is everybody so afraid? I see a whole realm of, of different uh, takes on it. You've got people that uh, feel that they are duty bound and they feel that it's their duty to you know wear a mask and be safe and separate themselves from other people. You have people that 
have the fears because they have young kids and they're, you know, they're trying to do what's best for their young kids. They want to raise their family and, you know, they're, they're terrified that their kids will be taken from them. You have people that have been very religious their whole lives within my family um, that have totally given in to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, we have churches here that uh, they cleared pews out of the church and brought in uh, folding chairs and told people basically to self-segregate within the church. And it somehow doesn't seem right to me. And then you've got people that are saying, no, I'm okay. I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with my place in the world. And I'm okay. And if it's my time, it's my time which is also other members of my family. It's just mm-hmm. funny. I have some of this dichotomy within my own family with, mm-hmm. you know, circling the wagons. The other one's saying, if it happens, it happens. So we had a, a family wedding and you had people that separated themselves out from the celebration. And then you had, you know, other people that were just right in the middle of it and didn't, didn't care of it. You know, that it, it, they weren't being foolish about it, but they, we're saying, look, I'll respect you if you want to wear your mask and you want to pull aside from everybody, but I'm not going to, and I ask you respect that of me. And at a smaller level, our family was able to handle that. I think at the higher level, when you get into society, that you know, you people aren't allowed that decision making. Yeah, and I but think- yeah, in here, yeah, we've had that whole gambit. So you have people that say, I don't care what the, what the government says. I don't care what the governor says. I don't, you know, I don't care what these laws say. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then you got, I said, people that feel that they have to obey to give a good example. And then you have people that's, you know, are the ones that are shouting at you, you're, you're killing grandma if you don't do it. Yeah. And here in the free state of Florida, we've also seen the same thing. Um, you know, even within our church and one of our families, this has been an extremely divisive topic. Um, and I think all of us can say that within our friend circles, our family circles, something like that, we've seen people on both sides of this mm. topic. And many of them are very passionate about it. And so this is just a, another great example of the divisive force of, of this evil spirit that's upon our nation. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get away from this topic now. (laughs) I I don't want to make the whole show today about this topic because this is a topic, this show is about division, not just this Mm -hmm. COVID thing. And and there's about a hundred ways that this has created division. But I want to ask each one of you a question. And and it's just a simple um, explanation I'm hoping for. So Frank, I'll start with you. In your lifetime, what's been the most divisive topic that you can recall? I would say the last election. Okay. And it's unfortunate because, um, at least from a personal aspect, I mean, if you're talking about countrywide, I would say that was probably one of the most divisive things I've seen also. But uh, from a personal level, that was the most divisive thing. I had uh, family members calling each other names, you know, and, and, shouting at each other and you know you couple that with you know shutdowns and you know telling people to sequester from each other and that just made everything worse you couldn't sit there face to face and talk to somebody 
And it's so much easier to, to scream and yell or say nasty, mean things to each other when you're not looking at each other in the face that something's just escalated out of control with that, where it should have been just a logical conversation back and forth. What do you like about one candidate? What do you like about one candidate? But it, it was immediately thrown into name calling and and just divisive behavior where family members weren't talking to each other. That was probably the worst in my lifetime. All right. Thank you. We'll get back to you in a second. Aiden, how about yourself? Well, we just talked it to death. Okay. But <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm I'm a lot younger, but I think the whole, like the vaccine thing, probably. I've mm-hmm. had it in my own family where, like, they've lectured me on, you have to get it, my own grandfather, you know? And it's like, okay, he's just listening to the news, you know? And, and he's the kind of person who's like, you can't believe everything the news says, but then he believes that. And I'm like... <laughs> okay, well, what research did you take on it, you know? And it's like they don't want to sit and talk about, you know, the other side. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's the biggest problem. Okay. Brian? I would have to agree with Aiden. Um, I think just throughout my whole entire life, I have never seen anything more divisive than this vaccine mandate, mm-hmm. you know, and people trying to force this down, down your throat, you know, and not having it be just more of an option. You know, hey, you do what you want to do. I'm going to do it over here, but... It's your choice, man. You know, what happened? <laughs> yeah, because they're all about, it, oh, man, it's your choice until they your, want you to do something. <laughs> uh, right. But what happened to my body, my choice? Exactly. Did that just kind of go out, out the window? <laughs> uh, but no, that would be, for me, that would be it. I mean, I have never seen this in my life like this, you know? We'll come back to that. Okay. I'm going to prove you wrong. Okay, good. Maybe there's something I don't remember here. Grant. Um. I'm going to be a little bit more general, but I would say the most divisive idea that I've seen in my lifetime is truth. Um, people either erring on the side of truth or believing a lie. Mm. And to me, that is the foundation of everything that we have problems with. Have you all met the philosopher of the group? <laughs> 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 that's pretty deep, man. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, I would agree, but that's... Uh, Far deeper than most people, I think, are willing to go and, and talk about. Well, I mean, if you look at what's going on right now, it's it's a matter of truth. I mean, we, we you know, who maybe um, err on the side of wanting to understand what's going on, understand the vaccine, understand, you know, the true numbers and all that, it's so hard to find the real information. Mm-hmm. It is. It's so easy to find, you know, Opinion. something. Opinion, yeah, un- un- Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but this didn't start here. Nope. You know, uh, in the early 2000s, late ni- 1990s, we had an attack on truth. And truth went through a cycle of there was truth, and then there was no truth, and then there is your own truth. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has the right to choose their own truth, you know. Are you and, talking about the decomposition movement? Uh, that was part of it, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was big in the colleges around that time. Yeah, and, and most most of what happens in this nation anyways in terms of how things socially progress, it starts in the universities um, and then it filters its way down to regular society. Um, because if you can get the people who are, you know, the educated, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. um, then they can convince all the other people and they can get in positions of power to change and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um but yeah, I, I truth is, I mean, Christ is truth, right? 
Mm-hmm. Did uh, you happen to read Abdu Murray's book? No. I'll share that with you. And just so you know, we're actually going to do a future show on truth. Oh, great. So nice. I was thinking, he's read my notes. He's looking ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. We, yes, I agree. We will get to that for sure because I want to do an entire show on truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can and, talk specifics, but you, well, you asked I'm, for I'm what I thought was most of I'm actually going to try and get to... Uh, and get somebody that's an expert on on the topic to join us at that time. So that'd be fun. Um, for me, it, it was the presidency of Donald J. Trump, and I have, and I honestly, before that, to me, it was President Obama. Probably Obama and, was probably the first that we saw where people started to kind of either follow along or wake up. Before then, it was just, you know, it was just Republican versus Democrat. But right. it, was, it was like whoever was in, it didn't really matter, right? Um, you, you'd still have jokes about them from SNL and stuff like that, but it was all yeah, like it was harmless. Sides, it was yeah. all, all harmless fun, right? Obama was the first that... It's like um, life or death that, now. You know, true Americans started being like, wait, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Because of the policies and, and laws that he was trying to put Well, you just place. weren't allowed to have an opinion. Right, and you had... It was the first time in my life I ever got in trouble at work. Oh, really? I I had a piece of paper, a picture of Obama on my desk, and it said, if if Obama was your answer, then you asked a stupid question. (laughs) (laughs) I got taken to HR. Well, the the problem was is that he was black. And not not because of the color of his skin, Mm -hmm. but because if you disagreed with anything that he was doing, you were racist. The race card, yeah. You know, and so they pulled that, you know. um, Well, that's not what I got taken for. I got taken because it was offensive to my coworkers. Oh, well, yeah, no, but that was the start of it because he he was the the, one that started ushering in this change. I I was only in trouble for a few seconds because the guy that turned me in previously had a picture of George W. Bush on his desk that looked like an (laughs) ape. And I'm going, tell me the difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you made you made GW look like a monkey, and that's not offensive? Yeah. And once they found that out, they were like, okay, well, both of you just quit putting political stuff up. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> but, now, in all honesty, when when Barack Obama was elected, did, was part of you thinking, hey, this is, the before, you know, realizing what we we're, going to be facing but the part of you think you know that this we're, we're taking a step this is this is we can now say look we have not held people down from reaching the office of president and, and this is a positive step forward and we can have better relationships with each other and we can talk real conversations with each other about this sort of thing Did, was that anybody's first impression because i what? honestly thought i could you know i guess i'm a bit of an optimist but I thought this there, there can be some positives out of this. Well, and it, it wasn't my favorite candidate, but hey, you know, we can grow as a nation because of this. Yeah, see, I never doubted once. And I, and I grew up in such a different time than my parents did because race never was an issue with me growing up. We, I grew up in a small town, very few, you know, people. We, we didn't have a, a large uh, black community, but... I never thought anything different of them. I mean, it was just never any issue with me between the races. But when they picked picked Barack Obama, I was like, this is the guy they're going to pick to be the first black president? Come on, what about Dr. Ben Carson or somebody like that? There are far somebody better role that models. Somebody that would have been a yeah. way better... I don't care about the role model so much. I was like, 
somebody that knew about what they were doing. This is like a community organizer? Come on. I mean, for me, I wrote Barack Obama off pretty early on, and it had to do with watching an interview. He was, uh, Rick Warren brought him into his church and did an interview on, you know, pre-first pre uh, term, and he said all these things, all these positive things that were good for Christian, you know, um, Christians to vote for, right? And he was he was talking anti uh, anti homosexuality and saying all these things that Christians should align themselves with. Two weeks later, he said the exact opposite at a different interview. And when he when I when I heard that, I was like, okay, I can't, you know, you can't trust he's, him. He's a, obviously, he's, he's a liar. Yeah, and so he's that, a politician, right? Yeah. And yeah. So that's when I just wrote him off. So regardless of what it might have done for the social. Um, uh, structure or or social nah, that's not the right word but the the social apparatus of our country and and us getting getting along progress together, moving um, forward and ending right right racism and I, um but but, but that's you're not going to end racism by electing a person to office but i have a whole nother opinion people on, that on are racist are going to be right racist either uh, or as well but and that's that you know most most white people aren't racist anymore it's actually black people that are racist. They're the ones that are still holding on to the atrocities um, that have long since filtered out of you know our responsibility from our in our generation. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I think that you know that's and, what's so divisive is we get called the racist, but we're the ones that are trying to be inclusive. Well, I mean, if you look at um, what. Booker T. Washington wrote, and if you look even at what Malcolm X wrote, they, the the biggest the biggest uh, problem they saw within their own community were the people that were making money off of keeping other members of their own community down and convincing them that somebody else was to blame. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Victim mentality. Mm -hmm. Well, it, and it is, and, and, and that is, and that, and that, that topic... all started from white racists, by the way. Oh yeah, and I, that, I don't, that, I don't ignore that. And the whole topic is about division they cannot allow the races to be united because you can't govern you can't enslave you can't hold down a people that are united right exactly a house divided against itself cannot stand yep. and so in, in the whole uh race issue that we're dealing with today one of the topics that seems to be taboo is do white people experience racism we don't have that discussion at all. Do black people experience racism? Absolutely. Does every race experience racism? I yes. think the answer and to that is shouldn't. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we shouldn't. You know, everybody was created equal under God. Yep. No. So everybody experiences it. it right. Th I think the big argument now is their institutionalized racism in our nation built into the fabric of who we are, and I think that answer is absolutely no. So. I, I make an argument um, when I talk about this with with a lot of people is that there isn't truly racism. It's more you have different cultures that are clash against each other, and the cultures are so ingrained in people that look a certain way that we identify a culture by seeing the color of somebody's skin, and we don't connect with that culture, mm -hmm. and they don't connect with ours. And so, therefore, we're divided and we are suspicious of each other. Mm. And that's an absolute perfect description of it. We do not have an understanding between racism and cultural differences. Correct. 
I mean, you can say I don't like rap music at all. That doesn't make you a racist because there's a lot of white rappers. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, um, I would argue that the politicians of our country um, have done a great job at keeping our cultures divided. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have one American culture. We have more. We have at least two, probably three or four American cultures. Um, of different groups of people and how they connect with their communities. Right. So the way that these politicians get their war chests is they have to have a war to fight. Exactly. they have to keep us divided so people will send them money so they can fight for that person's ideals, that person's part of the division. And it's almost always lies. Always. Almost always, yeah. Because, well, it's lies and fear, right? If we don't fight this, they're going to take away this right. They're going to do this. They're going to implement that. They're going to enslave you. Your people, your kind will not be allowed to exist. How many times have we heard that? Mm. I mean, I've heard that from friends of mine. <laughs> exactly. That they were, they, were, they were petrified that if a certain politician got elected, that that would be them thrown into jail instantly like the gestapo would show up at their house the next day and just take them away to prison i mean it was that kind of irrational level of fear oh yeah like Uh, one politician cannot do that well and i knew people personally that were told were told that if trump was elected because they were gay they would either be kicked out of the country or put in jail what, what level of insanity is that? Yeah. That, that is never going to happen here. The fact that they believe it is the real problem. Yep. Because that is a lack of being informed and educated. But the problem is, with these divisive arguments, they always have a mountain of evidence. Whether it's real or not, you look at the news stories, you go from MSNBC to CNN to Fox News to OAN, you look at the different ways people present a news story. I mean, we could we could talk about that. You know. <laughs> no, I mean, it, and, and we will have a show on the media. Trust well, me. Well, all, 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 all I was about to get to was that you know you have the mainstream media that is you know perpetuating whatever story that they want to tell you. And for example, at the beginning of the riots last spring, you had a CNN correspondent standing outside of a police station that was on fire and said, "There's no fires here. There's nothing going on." <laughs> yep. Yeah, And that's just the epitome of how bold they are with their lies, but people believed them. Well, it's because what you are told over and over and over mm-hmm. again it's is what you believe. Mm-hmm. It's brainwashing. It's, it's yep. scientific. It builds right, those neural right. pathways in your brain and you believe it. Now, that's probably why my father got the vaccine because he mm-hmm. loves ABC World News. But, yep. but <laughs> now, now let's talk about how these divisive topics are em- emboldened in us. The social media world that we live in today, everybody is on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I don't know what all of them are. Beyonce, there's about a million of them. Can't keep track. But, Aiden, if they're pounding you on your television about a story because you watch ABC, Mm -hmm. and then you go to TikTok or you go to Twitter and you're getting pounded by that news source, right? Mm -hmm. And I use air quotes for news source, right? And then Facebook's telling you the same thing. And the reason they're doing that is because we gravitate into these like-minded groups, right? Yep. So we get in these echo chambers, 
And what happens in the echo chamber? It's the same thing over and over in a pounding. Now, instead of once or twice a day, you're getting 150, 200, 500 times a day. You're getting news alerts on your phone, text messages, news alerts. Blah, blah. They're all saying the same rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it's right or not. And then it multiplies because the people around you are starting to believe it, and they're starting to say it to you. Right. And you do the same thing because you're still in the same circle of mm-hmm, friends, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all watching the same shows. We listen to the same Twitter feeds. We're still on the same Facebook pages. How do you, you can't break that. Yep. So now it's ingrained in your brain. It doesn't matter if it's truth or not. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. your truth now. And the longer you ingrain that, the longer it's going to take to and switch I it. think they count on that. I think those that spread the fear, spread the division, they count on that happening. Once they realized that the apparatus they had achieved could do all of this, they just doubled down and they went hard. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing an entire society lost because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Frank, do you see that in in the bigger city? Because you're up there in the Detroit area. Yeah. Yeah. To to a degree. You know, it it just kind of reminds me of the Tower of Babel, right? You know, it, 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 that was purposeful. These people are, are, you know, over prideful, over boastful. So I will separate them by languages and and divide them amongst the world. But it's it's almost that level of pride, right? We're able to manipulate, and they feed on that level of pride, and they think, well, what else can I get away with? What else can I say? Yeah, I agree, and and I would say that that would, that's just evidence to bring us back to the fact that we seem to be under judgment as a nation, under God's judgment. Mm-hmm. So we've gone so far with pride. We started the pride movement. You know, suddenly marriage couldn't be sacred anymore. You had to you had to be able to marry the same sex. But then that wasn't enough. They had to strip us of our identity of sex. You know, our gender identity. Mm-hmm. And they're going against the very foundations of what God has established from the beginning. Yep. And God is looking at us and saying, you kicked me out. This is where you've ended up. And now this is the consequences. Mm-hmm. Because God is a just God. Yeah. So we've talked about a lot of different ways that this world is trying to divide us and, and successfully doing so. I have family members that I have not spoken to since President Trump was elected because they knew I elect, I'd voted for him. I mean, people who have been in my life my whole life now are out of my life forever. Same here. Sad. Mm-hmm. I can't control it, but just I, I never thought something like that would happen. But God's provided a way, and he's showed us what unity is supposed to look like. And we don't have to be this way, and, and I wish more people would understand this. And if you have an intimate, intimate relationship with God then you will understand more about the unity of God and how he's provided for us. And and he gave us a great example, right? We talked about this a little bit in the pre-show that, you know, the Trinity is our greatest and first example of unity. Mm-hmm. Three, three, three separate pieces to the Godhead that have lived forever together in unity. Not one trying to be over the top of the other, each one serving each other, loving each other, with a love that, honestly, we can never understand. It's so beyond what we can love. And they're in perfect unity. 
They don't act without each other. Each knows when one's going to do something. I mean, the, the, can you imagine if you're married and having that kind of interaction with your wife? They just know that what you're about to do and you never do anything. Oh, sometimes I get that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, usually right before I cringe. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, it, to have a type of unity that says every single thing I do is to make the other better. Mm-hmm. That's how, as believers, we're supposed to act. Well, that is what's called, that, that's how you describe love. Love is selfless. Love is doing everything for the other person. Yep. So is the antidote to fear love? It, well, of course. Okay. So God also tells us, Jesus told us a lot of ways to overcome the fear of this world and how to, how, how to overcome the world, right? One, we need to be in prayer, right? Mm-hmm. We need to be trusting him. And I think for those of us that have had less difficulty in this in this environment of fear, it is because we trust him, because we turn to him and we speak with him and we, you know, ask for wisdom and guidance and to overcome the fears mm-hmm. and to protect us. And so I think I think one a strong prayer life is very important to overcome these divisive topics, to oh, yeah. overcome our fears. Because this world is definitely going to do everything it can to make you be afraid of something. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... That's how Satan works. <laughs> if Satan you're not works afraid of this one, I'll throw another at you. Exactly. And, you know, we'll, next we'll attack the kids or your parents or we'll find some way to make you afraid. I mean, that's just exactly the way this is working out. And then I would say that uh, the other one is to ha- come together with a, a, a community. Mm-hmm. of believers. And God tells us that when one walks and falls, there's no one to pick them up. But if two walk together, they can pick you up and they can help you along the path. So one, we got to get over the idea of isolation and trying to walk alone. Mm-hmm. We have to find groups of people. We have to find friends and believers that we can walk together that when we get weak for a moment, they can strengthen us. Together we can go to God and we can talk together or you can just help me because you know that moment I need a word from you. Mm -hmm. We need that in our lives. Walking by ourselves is a formula for failure. And I would also say that we need to focus so hard on what we're doing out of love for others. Because when we do acts of love, then we are rewarded for it and we start to get our focus in the right direction. Stop putting our eyes in this media. Stop putting our eyes where it doesn't belong and believe in the lies of the enemy. Focus on doing God's work, reading his word, loving others first, getting ourselves in a community of believers that will lift us up and just put the right things in our mind, getting the word, getting... If you start doing that stuff... The rest of what they're saying around you can't affect you anymore. Yeah, yeah it doesn't phase you anymore. Because that's what you're building. Uh-huh. So going off of unity, basically what I just heard you say was prayer, being in unity with God, mm-hmm. and then um, being in unity with like-minded believers. Right. And we see Paul say that a lot. Yeah, We see Jesus uh-huh. always did stuff in groups. He mostly did, you know, miracles or, or big things in, in big groups. Uh-huh. Um to keep everybody unified and to 
and to do, you know, the most work. And, and Paul said that's when the churches were being prosecu- uh, persecuted. He said, you guys have to stick, you have to stick onto what's true and you guys have to stick together because that's, there is, there is strength in numbers and strength. And if you guys are telling each other truths all the time, those will stick into your mind and these other things will, will not affect you. Yeah. Like what's, uh, what's your foundation? Exactly. Exactly. What's your anchor? Yeah. What's your anchor? And, and too often it's, it's selfishness. I mean, when you were talking about what you just were talking about, one of my favorite illustrations was, is the one of the picture of heaven and hell. Hell is the low table to the ground with the food and everybody's on the high chairs and they have long forks and they're trying to feed themselves and they can't feed themselves and everybody's starving. But heaven is the same picture, but instead of us trying to feed ourselves, we're feeding each other because mm-hmm. we're playing to our our strengths and helping people with their weaknesses. Right. Good. Yeah, and if we could only do that, we could overcome every one of these divisive arguments. Mm-hmm. We could overcome every one of these fears because we would know that we have nothing to fear. Exactly. That he has already overcome this world. No matter what they throw at us, he's overcome it. Mm-hmm. Life, death, and the grave. Yep. It's all been overcome. To live as Christ and to die as gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like sometimes Christians forget that we're already on the winning team. <laughs> well, and so there's, a, there's another piece to this, right? We got to get our mindset to where, what's our destiny? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is this our, our mission? Is this planet our destiny? Is this life your destiny? If this life is your destiny, then you live completely different than when you know your destiny somewhere else, Mm -hmm. beyond this. The way I look at it is God's giving me a mission, and I'm going to figure, you know, he's going to let me know what the mission is, and I feel like I'm I'm already starting to do that. And I live my life out doing the mission, and then when I'm done, he brings me home. There you go. Frank, you got a word? I'll just notice something locally. I don't know if... uh, you gentlemen have noticed this or not? It's a it, it's a subtle thing, but um, I think it's I think it's a, it's a positive outreach, and I think it's something that is letting other folks around you know who they are and and that they're one with you. And, and I said this is very subtle, but I've noticed it a lot more lately. And and maybe you guys have shared this experience too. Is when when you say casual greetings or or uh, a casual hello or goodbye or something, I am getting a lot more of have a blessed day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot more than I remember in any time in my life. And it's it's like a reassurance that everyone, the believers are giving to each other, you, you have a blessed day and you, you say that back to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment of understanding between the two of you. Yes, we, we get it, we know. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're on that team. We're, you know, we're working together here. And, and it's, a, like I said, it's a subtle thing, but it's this interconnectivity that I have seen more lately and experienced more lately. So I don't know if you guys have had the same experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just that boost, you know, of, of you know, we're, we're on the right track and we're, you know, don't let those things happen it's just a little like kickstarter and and like you said it's very subtle and it's very small but i i think it's very very important Mm -hmm. because again that's reassuring and going against of what everything else is saying well it's it's like that point moment where you're saying 
yes, I, there there is a higher power. Mm-hmm. I believe, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. They're these, they're they're here for us. We're here to 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 follow them. You're one of you're one of the people here following. I'm one of those people following, and we have this understanding between us. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Grant, you got a parting shot? No. No? Not not something that's going to be quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming in today and talking. And, Frank, thanks for, for calling in. Um, thanks for being our, our, new, our inaugural call-in. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate the honor. Uh, you gentlemen are doing God's work, definitely, and I, I love to help. All right, well, um, so today this has been a Veritas Resurgence broadcast, and today we on A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, we've been talking about division and how this world is doing its utmost to divide us and create some fear in our lives, and then we've also talked about God's plan for unity and how we can stay united if we keep our focus on Him, on His Word, if we stay in prayer, and if we stay with like-minded believers to help us walk in this evil and dark world, and believe it or not, we are really walking in an evil and dark world, ladies and gentlemen. So find you a group of believers that will support you when you're down, that will support you when you're weak, lift you up when you need it. Find you a good church that preaches the Word honestly and truthfully, and talk to God. Talk to God all the time. He will lift you up and he will keep you out of the fear syndrome and he will keep you out of the divisive arguments. He will show you what the truth is. And if you would, please take a moment and subscribe to our podcast. And don't forget to visit our website of yourbroadcast.org where you can find more teaching and ask questions of the show and our guests. Also find us on Facebook at A Voice Coming in the Wilderness. And do us a favor, recommend the podcast to your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Thank you.